Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome to our fitness family around the world, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Idea Fit Pro Show. This is Sandy Webster, Ideas Editor in Chief, and your host for the podcast. Today, I am very excited to be catching up with Dr. Jessica Matthews, who has been at the forefront of integrative coaching and transformational behavior change from its very early days. Recently named a fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, Jessica developed and steers the Master of Kinesiology degree in integrative wellness at Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. The degree educates professionals to improve public health through interventions in behavior change, nutrition, and physical activity. An award-winning educator, Jess has developed and implemented graduate degree and professional certificate programs at several colleges. In addition, she has created and currently teaches a variety of graduate courses in areas such as mind-body medicine and behavior change models, methods, and theories. In addition, Dr. Matthews was named IDEA's 2017 Fitness Instructor of the Year. I think you're going to get a lot of inspiration from her message and her energy. So let's get right to the interview. Dr. Jessica Matthews, welcome. Oh, Sandy, thank you so much for having me. I've been so excited for our conversation. I think that's the first time face-to-face, at least virtually, that I've been able to call you by your honorific. It's been over a year now since since you got it, right? But congratulations on the PhD. That is just really wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. I, of course, we've had wonderful conversations all along the way in the journey. You've been a wonderful support, a wonderful colleague to chat about. So many great topics I know we're going to chat about today. Uh, but it's certainly been a a joyous ride. Yeah, it certainly has been. So you have been around the industry in ever-evolving roles for many years. Um, And while so many of our listeners have seen you present at various IDEA events, other industry events, for any listeners who may not know you or your work, would you please start just by introducing yourself and describing your career path? Absolutely. Well, again, I'm Dr. Jessica Matthews. I go by Dr. Matthews. My students refer to me as Dr. Jess or just Jessica or Jess. Uh, Sandy, you mentioned, of course, I have had a number of different roles uh, within the field over the, the, oh my goodness, almost 22 years that I've been at this work. Um, I'll give kind of the high level overview. Um, Really where I got started to share really the impetus for all of this work stems from really the experiences in my own immediate family. Mm -hmm. So I grew up uh, witnessing firsthand really the devastating effects of chronic diseases, things like heart disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, obesity, right in my own household, particularly Mm -hmm. with my mother, uh, in my family, my grandmother. And I learned very early on really the deleterious effects of these diseases uh, when we don't get to the root cause of what causes these diseases. Mm -hmm. So things like renal failure, amputations, blindness. This is what I grew up around. And also thinking that you know, the average age somebody lived to was maybe in their mid 50s or early 60s, if you were lucky, but usually the quality of life in those latter years uh, was very minimal, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And so really, from that experience, it prompted me to want to understand, not only for myself, how could I have a different path forward in my life, but how could I help the people in my life who are already affected 
by these chronic diseases. And what I came to learn is my family was not an anomaly, sadly, that this is something that affects people all around the country, all around the world. And so it started my journey really first and foremost into understanding how exercise could be medicine. So not only to prevent these diseases, but to effectively treat these diseases. And that's what got me started as a fitness professional. I started teaching group fitness classes as my foray into the field, uh, something I'm still very passionate about to this day. The power of community and the group dynamic is so powerful, mm -hmm. as is movement. Uh, and that really, you know, 22 years ago, I taught my first group fitness class and I haven't looked back since. But that experience of teaching others, really understanding the science and the power of exercise, it led me into formal studies in that area. So I went on to earn an undergraduate, graduate degree in physical education and exercise science. So my com combined experience, I really appreciated because I got all of the hard sciences, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, exercise physiology, and all of the education, really understanding pedagogy. How do you effectively teach people? Mm -hmm. Because I always knew I aspired to teach at the college level. I thought this could be a way I could help shape future professionals in the field. So from that experience in the exercise realm, I spent some time, as you know, intimately, and others might know as well, I worked for the American Council on Exercise for a number of years, mm -hmm. almost 14 years in total, better part of a decade working full-time with the organization. I worked in a number of different roles as an exercise physiologist, certification director, involved in more of kind of the consumer facing efforts, really speaking directly to the public about the power of lifestyle change, not only exercise, but other areas that I know we'll dig into shortly. But this really, you know, kind of was my trajectory. And eventually it led me to where I had seen myself going, teaching full time um, in the college setting, starting at the community college level. I developed yoga teacher training programs. I believed in making training and education more accessible to more diverse communities of individuals. And the community college was such a beautiful way to do that. And over this time, I really got interested in, I understood the human body so well, mm -hmm. but I became so fascinated in the human experience and really understanding the totality of what makes us human and how that impacts our health. That led me on to a doctoral journey, as you alluded to earlier, studying behavioral health with an emphasis in clinical integrated care. It's taking me into the clinical realm and into the research setting. And so right now, my work really is a fusion of all of these various component parts of the journey that to me make a lot of sense together, because as we'll talk about, a systems approach is needed if we're truly talking about impacting health and well-being. But that's just a high level overview of sort of what my career has involved thus far. And the exciting part is there's still so much more on the horizon. My goodness, I, you know, just the energy, the passion and the intelligence you you bring to all of this and so many different pieces that you've woven together in this fabric of your career. But, um, you know, just the starting with your own personal story and knowing that, you know, you observe the, this in your household, which so many fitness pros get get into this because they do have a personal story or a family member or their entire family, um, you know, suffered from lifestyle diseases that are 
fully preventable. And so, um, you know, wonderful that it launched you on this path. And we're so lucky to have you um, as, a, as an educator now. Um, I know much of your focus in recent years has been on integrative wellness, or it's turned that way. It's evolved into that very naturally. Um, if you could just please explain how you define integrative wellness and then describe the role that you see or maybe any opportunities you see for fitness and wellness pros um, playing in this field to improve public health. Absolutely. I would love to. And I think, you know, what I've struggled with, though, I realize it's actually not a struggle. It's a realization that even defining a term like integrative wellness, which I, I will do, I've recognized that when we're talking about these topics that I know you and I are so passionate about and so many of the listeners are so passionate about, these are complex topics that we're trying to address with very simplified solutions or very mm -hmm. simplified definitions. But the reality is this is all complex. And so I like to think of how do we break this into component parts to start and then how do we weave it uh, all together? When I think about integrative wellness, the main pieces to that is start with the integrative. Really, first and foremost, in order to effectively impact health and well-being, we have to recognize that we work with whole people. So the integrative aspect, first and foremost, invites us to recognize the wholeness of the individuals we work with, body, mind, and spirit. Uh, it also invites us to recognize the wholeness or the interconnectedness of the systems as well. So we'll talk kind of from an ecological perspective, not only happens what happens with us as individuals, but how also our health and well-being is impacted by our interpersonal relationships with others, by the communities in which we live, by the systems in which we operate with various public policies and other things. It invites us to recognize that aspect of kind of the systems approach, if you will. And it also really invites us, and I think this is the exciting piece and really has been such a common thread through all of my work, it really relies on the evidence-based therapeutic approaches that come from a wide variety of areas. So we look to the evidence because good medicine is good science, but we look to the evidence and we recognize lifestyle is a critical aspect of this equation among other therapeutic modalities as well. But we look at how all of these various parts really impact health and healing. And we look at this really to say, instead of looking at things in isolation, how do we look at the interplay between them? And then I look at the word wellness, which I will just share. And I know, Sandy, you're familiar with the TED Talk that I delivered uh, just about a little over a year ago called Reclaiming Wellness. Yep. And there's a reason in my career while others have kind of said wellness is woo-woo, right, as wellness has become commercialized, I've seen wonderful professionals who I admire greatly just say, you know what, I'm going to stay away from wellness. I've done the opposite. I've doubled down on wellness mm -hmm. because wellness, the term isn't the problem. It's our understanding of the term. That's the issue. And so I look to, again, great definitions of wellness. Let's understand what we're talking about before we, before we form an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. But wellness really recognizes that, again, in that spirit of kind of wholeness and the complexity, that there's various dimensions that affect our health and our well-being, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, environmental, depends what model you use and how many dimensions you want to look at. But what it invites us to actualize is there are many influences, many factors by which impact our health and our well-being. And I love some of the definitions that, excitingly, they've been around for a long time. I'm not sharing you know, new breaking news, 
going back to the late 50s and 60s with great leaders in the wellness space like Dr. Halbert Dunn, who he described wellness going back all that time. He recognized that wellness, it was much more than just some state we arrive to. It wasn't just this place of optimal wellness that we find. He said really the opportunity is to recognize it's a movement in a direction. And no matter where we are in our journey, we can always be moving in the direction of more optimal or higher functioning mm -hmm. in our lives, even in ever evolving environments, right? Because other factors impact our health and our well-being. But we can always be moving in this direction, this direction that invites us to not only engage in, actively participate in really, you know, exploring, as he said, the fascinating, ever-changing panorama of life itself. Mm -hmm. Like that's big stuff, but Sandy, I mean, that's the heart of what we're talking about here is how do we as individuals and all of these multitudes of ways in which we engage with life, how do we really optimize our existence? So to me, integrative wellness is, it's an invitation to take a whole person approach to consider the ways we interact with the people that we serve, because that relationship aspect is vital in this equation. And it invites us to take good use of all evidence-informed therapeutic approaches with lifestyle being a foundation to this to really, again, support individuals in that movement in the direction of improved well-being, health, and healing. Right. And, and you know, it seems to me that with all of these different components, that make up a whole person, it really presents an opportunity for the professional to expand themselves and to to come at it from many different angles, which makes for, to me, at least for a very interesting career path. Um, and so speaking of career path, um, what, what do you see as different applications for, let's say a listener is um, intrigued by this this whole field and wants to understand you know, hey, where could I take this? What are some applications for a career path in integrative health and, and wellness? And what are some of the opportunities you see out there for people who dedicate themselves to this field? The exciting part is there's an array of opportunities. And so I think, again, this challenges us to think beyond sort of the narrow compartmentalized thinking that we, we often fall, find ourselves falling into, even with regards to our career, right? This is the job title. This is the way this profession looks. And I think I always just use myself as an example to say, I certainly have not fit a standard trajectory or, or mold. I remember early on in my career, a wonderful faculty advisor I had who basically said, in your career, you can do kind of path A or path B. You can you know, be a PE teacher grades K through 12, which was my formal undergraduate training. Or maybe one day you can become a college professor. It was sort of like, here's two paths. You'll, you'll maybe choose one or maybe you'll venture on both of them. You know, that mm -hmm. could be exciting. My whole career has been the opposite of anything linear, anything that has been prescriptive. <laughs> and I only share that to say, you know, I'm just an N of one. But I say that to say to your point, this is exciting to me to say, what is the application? I'll use a bit of kind of guidance on this to say one of the things I didn't specify particularly in terms of what's the work I'm doing now. Right now, I do serve as an associate professor and director of the Integrative Wellness Master's Program at Point Loma Nazarene University. Mm -hmm. And what brought me to that university was to develop that program because I believe this is the missing piece. I say it with great conviction and immense passion. This is the missing piece in health professional education. 
Mm-hmm. And so why I say that, and to answer your question of like, what could this look like in practice? The exciting part is, let me tell you about like the students who come to our program. Mm-hmm. They are individuals who are already practicing registered nurses, registered dietitians, they're exercise professionals, health and wellness coaches, they're future medical doctors, future physical therapists, future physician assistants. I mean, the list could go on and on, but I don't want to take too much time. But hopefully that illustrates the fact that the application of this is in a multitude of different professional roles. Mm -hmm. So I think that's challenging because often when we think about even education and training, you know, the education and training we receive prepares you for one defined role. What we're talking about in our conversation today, this applies to all people, Mm -hmm. no matter what context you're working in. So if you're an exercise professional presently, fantastic. Learning more about the interplay between various lifestyle behaviors, exercise is one of them. But excitingly, we know there are other lifestyle behaviors that also have a tremendous impact on our health and our well-being. And starting to build more of that ecological perspective to recognize It's more than just a person's motivation and willpower that affects their health and well-being. We have to look at a systems approach to things, as I alluded to earlier. So I share no matter what your job title might be, Mm -hmm. there is application to have this shared foundation, more of this interdisciplinary understanding, right? Pulling from different fields of study, because when it comes to health and well-being, There's not one professional that's going to optimize individuals' health and well-being. There's not one key role or one area of study. It necessitates us taking all of these component parts, and as you said so eloquently, weaving them together in an intentional way that evolves our understanding of how we serve the people we're called to serve. What I what I really what struck me about all of the different professions in your program at PL on you um, is is that um, you're really lifting up people from various you know parts of allied health etc to to realize this dream that we've long had to make make pro fit pros especially part of the multidisciplinary care team so they're all talking they're all learning together and so you're raising this crop of folks who have an expectation probably to to cross paths and to work together on behalf of clients absolutely and what you're sharing and this is the part i think to me is part of the missing link is not only to work together in practice which i think we've all kind of shared that understanding that Of course, you know, in in a perfect world, we would have professionals with different areas of expertise that would naturally collaborate and work together, right, to Mm -hmm. form the team you were alluding to. I've taken it one step back to say, but how do they engage in their education and training together? Mm -hmm. Because when we do that, then we set the stage for truly an interdisciplinary team. So they learn from different, you know, knowledge areas. They've also learned how to effectively see things from different perspectives, right? Like how neat that a practicing nurse of 20 years is engaging, you know, in the learning experience with someone who maybe is two years into their work as an exercise professional and so many other contexts. But that learning that happens, it shapes the way we think about the work that we do in our individual roles. And it enables us to work more collaboratively together because I do think we still have a model where even when we are starting to bring different members of the care team together, we're together, but we're kind of still operating in isolation, right? I take my piece, you know, I run with that. You take your piece, you run with that. 
if we really move to more of this interdisciplinary model, and I think in interprofessional education, it has to be a foundation to this equation. That's how I think we really shape the kind of care teams that we know could truly transform the health of patients and also transform health care. That is super exciting to hear. And I, you know, just makes me wonder if if this is scalable. Are you going to be able to replicate the program you've done and, and scale it? Because I think we need more and more of this because our current health care system is not working. Um, more and more people are getting sick because of lifestyle diseases. And, uh, you know, we, we need more contemporary approaches to to client care like this. And so are are there plans to scale it or to spread it around the country? There are. And I'll share with you one of the exciting things, because I did recognize this from the onset of developing the program, which first and foremost, I recognize this was really a new venture. It was not only a new venture for Point Loma, which I'm so delighted and very blessed that you know they, they were agreeing to go along for the ride because I made a pretty big professional move. I left a 10-year track position to come into what started as an adjunct role. I love telling that story because <laughs> this is how deeply I believed in it. Yeah. And obviously, it's proved to be fruitful, not just for me personally, but I believe for the people who've been a part of the program and then the people ripple effect that they serve. But what I would share is it's also, I recognize it's different thinking in academia, it's different thinking in the fields to you know bring together a program that isn't just for nurses or just for exercise professionals, but to have more of this you know truly combined approach and pulling from different areas of study, I believe is the wave of the future. I'm happy to st- help start that wave shaping. Yeah. But the exciting part, Sandy, is I planned from the very beginning, our program is offered fully online. Mm -hmm. long before pandemic times, long before the rest of the world joined us. I did this intentionally because I believe in order to really, you know, effectively impact change, as you alluded to, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. I believe also it should not be, this information shouldn't be limited by geographic boundaries, right? I'm in Southern California. I recognize this is not a very accessible place for everyone to reside. It's quite costly as many other parts of the country and the world are. And so to me, it was how do we leverage technology to make the learning accessible for Mm -hmm. more people so it can be accessible for populations that really need this kind of information. They need this kind of care and support. So we've had students since the onset, five years running now of the program. Mm -hmm. They're all over the country. We've had students internationally from all those varied backgrounds. And the exciting part to me is the communities they want to serve, Mm -hmm. right? Often it's tends to be underserved communities. And that's why I say if we limited this to just who's geographically in San Diego, I think we would miss a tremendous opportunity. Yeah, excitingly, I, mean, I won't be the only one to have this program. This is the cool part. People have taken note of what we're doing at Point Loma and others are looking to say, how do we do something similar at our college, our university? And I love that. There's yeah. plenty of space for all of us. And as you mentioned, we need to rally the teams. We need to come together if we really want to see these changes become a reality. We do. That was just really a prescient move on your part to to think ahead with virtual teaching and open it up to to all geographies like you just that is just such an inclusive way of thinking but that leads me to to wonder um you know just what are the nuts and bolts of the program like how many students can you accept per um per year or semester however it works and um how long is the degree is it a two-year is it a four-year 
Great question. So it is, it's a master's of science in integrative wellness. Okay. Um, it is structured intentionally, not only online, but also as an accelerated program. And we recognize because we do have so many practicing professionals, one, the online flexibility not only allows us to you know, scale beyond geographic boundaries, but it also enables those who are already working in the field, you know, serving others to keep doing that important work while they continue their learning. And so I always love that because I hope it's a good reminder for all of the listeners. It's a good reminder. I you know, say it to myself every day to continue learning, whether you've been in the field for a few years, a few decades, our students are reflective of the whole continuum, some right out of undergraduate studies, some 5, 10, 20, and 30 years into mm. their professional journey, but they know the importance of continuing to learn. So excitingly, the program structured one-year accelerated program. Most of our students, they continue to work as full-time working professionals along the journey. It is intensive, I never lie. I mean, one year of learning, <laughs> uh, 30 units of coursework in a one-year program, that is intensive. Um, but our students, they're fantastic. They rise to the occasion because they love serving others. They love learning and they want to immediately apply this with mm -hmm. the people they serve. And so right now we have structured the program as a cohort model. So very intentional in our delivery of online learning, which I love leaning into this topic, which maybe is another podcast for another day. But I love leaning into this topic of breaking kind of the stigma around in-person learning in the four walls of a room somehow is superior to online learning. The long and short, I've taught in all four, in all modalities. Yeah. It's what intentionally you bring to the teaching. I mentioned my background, actually, I have formal training in this area. So it really comes down to not only what you teach, but how you teach it. I think listeners can appreciate that. The what is one thing, but the how and the why you do it is a whole nother. But I would share, we've done this cohort model, which really allows for deep connection, right? We live into the recognition, social connection is a vital part of health and well-being. So we practice that, we live it in the program, but we have started with cohorts of 25 students. Sadly, that means we haven't been able to accept every student each year to the program, but you asked about scalability and we are looking to evolve the program to have additional start dates, to be able to accommodate more students because we recognize the urgency for this kind of education. And so we want to be able to keep accommodating that. Well, congratulations on the success of the program. It sounds wonderful. Don't be surprised if you see me show up in the program someday. Hopefully, raise my hand and get accepted. Um, it just sounds great. It's right up my alley. I would love to continue my education as well. And I also wanted to circle back on a comment you made about, um, you know, the in intention and focus that you bring as an educator. I think it's incumbent on the student to bring that as well. I mean, so... Virtual learning is what you make of it, whether you're the student, whether you're the instructor, um, et cetera. So absolutely. And I will add this piece because I'll share with you. It's exactly just like in a good partnership. I mentioned part of the whole approach to integrative health, integrative medicine, right? The tenets of integrative wellness. Also, the relationship, the partnership is so powerful. So like you said, in the learning environment, not only what we do, you know, as faculty or other professionals, what we bring, but then what those we serve, in this case, for me, students, what they bring, their active participation. But I will share with you this. Here's the exciting thing. When people do engage and you create these intentional experiences, I've had students who've shared with me, they felt more connected to their colleagues and their faculty 
that they've never actually met in person, like, you know, in face-to-face environment. We get together live, we've been using technology to be together synchronously, but they've never been in the same room as those individuals. But in reflection on their four years of say undergraduate studies where they say, for four years, I was showing up in a classroom next to these people that I never even got to know them. They didn't get to know me. So to your point, of course, it's what you bring to an experience and that active participation that's such a key part of wellness, too. And I use mm-hmm. the National Wellness Institute's definition of wellness, where it's really, you know, this kind of active you know, awareness that we have to have and then intentional engagement in really the choices that we make that set us forth on a path to optimize our health and in turn our well-being. Mm. Well, keep up the great work. It's it's just it's a wonderful program. Um, and if anyone's interested in it, we will put a link in the show notes for all of you to check it out. We're taking a quick break from our interview to give you some meaningful information for your continuing education and to tell you about an exciting live networking opportunity. Your passionate purpose as a trainer, coach, manager, and owner is to deliver transformational fitness experiences for your clients. If the recent past has taught us anything, it's that we must maintain the focus to continue inspiring our clients, no matter what the world throws at us. You'll find that spark and more at Idea Personal Trainer Institute, which returns to Alexandria, Virginia, February 24th through 27th. Choose from 100 sessions on topics like the new rules of muscle growth, diversifying your offerings so your career can weather any storm, how your identity prevents you from seeing success and what to do about it, and much, much more. Plus, IDEA's first ever Personal Trainer of the Year, Sherry McMillan, kicks off the event with an empowering spotlight presentation on how to become more resilient in your personal and professional lives. It's time for our fitness community to rejoin and develop fresh strategies to support our clients and build unbreakable careers. To learn more about IDEA's first in-person event in two years, visit ideafit.com forward slash ptrainer or call an inspired service representative directly at 888-999-4332 extension 7. We hope to see you at IDEA Personal Trainer Institute in February. Look for the contact information in the show notes. Now let's return to our fascinating conversation. Um, I'm going to change topics here just a little bit, but um, in recent years, I know you've become very closely aligned and involved with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And in fact, you were recently given the amazing accolade of becoming a fellow of ACLM Congratulations on that. Um, I'd love for you to share what lifestyle medicine is all about and why you feel it's a natural adjunct to client care for fit pros to consider getting involved in. Well, thank you, of course, for just the the kind words and the the, the heartfelt thank you. Uh, lifestyle medicine, I mean, this is the essence. And I'd share with you thinking of the, the journey I mentioned, kind of stemming from personal experiences, what set me on my career trajectory when I discovered the lifestyle medicine community, it was like, the, this, was, this was my group. These were people who were doing the same things I was doing, thinking some of the same things I was thinking, challenging me to think in new ways. And that's what you know, great colleagues and great environments do is 
you know, you have alignment and also things that continue to support your learning and growth. Uh, but I will share a little bit about what lifestyle medicine is, because it's been exciting for me, having been heavily involved in this space now for a number of years, to see that term getting used more and more. But it's helpful to make sure we're all speaking the same language, kind of like with wellness. Sure. And so lifestyle medicine, by definition, is really the use of evidence-based therapeutic lifestyle interventions, really as a primary modality in not only the prevention, because that often comes up, the prevention is important, but it's really also the treatment and even the reversal or remission of chronic diseases. And so the latter part of that statement, I think really speaks to the value proposition, if you will, Mm -hmm. of lifestyle medicine. And for me, that was something I felt often was missing in terms of my professional journey, that much of the focus was on prevention, which is, of course, vital. And what about for the you know millions and millions of people, that number continues to rise, of individuals already affected by those chronic diseases, people like my own mother. And so that's the piece that really drew me to lifestyle medicine. But the thing that's important to note is when we talk about those evidence-based therapeutic lifestyle interventions, they're really based around six pillars, if you will. And those pillars are, you know, a a whole food plant predominant eating pattern. We have Mm -hmm. extensive, I know a topic you and I are both passionate about, extensive data in that area, regular physical activity. So here's where, of course, exercise professionals play such a vital role. Other things like restorative sleep, Avoidance of risky substance use like tobacco and alcohol, mm-hmm. stress management, another vital pillar. And then one that I think I was actually just lecturing about this just uh, two nights ago. But the other one is positive social connection. And in fact, there's such a plethora, such a rich body of evidence about the role that social connection plays. And in fact, really plays a, a more vital role than people might realize in terms of health and longevity. Mm-hmm. But those are the six pillars by which lifestyle medicine is really based around. And then, of course, excitingly, you know, you do have, you know, formal training, edu- education and board certification for individuals in this rapidly growing subspecialty of lifestyle medicine. So as I previously asked you, if if a person um, listening right now is peaked their their interest is piqued by by lifestyle medicine. Um, short of getting board certified, what are some ways they can dip a toe in the water and just learn more and get a feel for what this is all about? Such a great question that you ask. And I'd say this is the first and foremost, the way we learn and grow is we have to recognize where we might have current gaps in our knowledge and our skill sets. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the practical tips I would offer is to start to get involved in communities. Like I mentioned, when I kind of discovered the lifestyle medicine community, it just felt like I had found the the right group that I had really been searching for to have these types of conversations like, I know, you and I have had for so many years. So I would say consider ways to get engaged with other like-minded professionals where Mm -hmm. you can bring expertise you have, as well as expand your learning and your knowledge. So, of course, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, as you mentioned, a wonderful organization to become a member of. So many ways to engage from, you know, conferences to online learning, but other ways just to, again, start to not only lean into that that aspect of positive social connection, but to really expand your understanding, particularly if you are someone who's coming with one area, maybe one of those pillars is your area of expertise to be able to expand your learning. So that would be one tip 
that I would offer. And I would really suggest too, you know, if this is something you're interested in, getting your hands on any and all additional resources that you can to learn more. Wonderful books. There's a great series of books on various topics. One recently just came out around women's health that I had the pleasure of being a part of. But these books around lifestyle medicine, so a number of great names, but the Rippy series from James Rippy and many others, um, that's a wonderful series of lifestyle medicine textbooks to at least, again, start the learning process. So a good way to dip the toe in the water, as you said, <laughs> to learn more about what lifestyle medicine is all about. Yeah, well, we'll keep watching how this unfolds. And um I, I've always been incredibly interested in it, um, and I just I love watching you move in that world. So again, I'm going to change topics. Um, as we know, pandemic gym shutdowns and the denial of fitness as essential gave our industry kind of a wake-up call about the work we need to do to further legitimize what we do and, and further understanding of what we do and how exercise is impactful as at least one of those pillars um, to, to good health. Do you think fitness certifications alone are enough to give our pros a place in the healthcare continuum? Um, as, as part of this multidisciplinary team that we were talking about? Or do you think we should be looking at licensure or other avenues to boost our credibility? It seems like the theme to many of our topics is it's complex. It certainly <laughs> is it's not a simple answer. I mean, I think great things in life should be, they, they are naturally complex and they're beautiful and they're challenging. They're all of the above. This question, I think, I mean, it is one we have to continue to have conversations about in our field. And the short answer that I do have, because I do have, you know, part of my work, I'm not solely, you know, in an academic setting, though that plays a large part of, you know, the role in the work that I do, but I also have an appointment in a clinical and research context. So I am in a large academic health system. And so one of the reasons that, just to share, I got involved with this is because I noticed, at least I'll speak for myself, and maybe this will resonate with some listeners, for so long, I've heard about us talking of bridging the gap, right? The infamous phase, phrase, if you will. We've been talking about it for almost the entire time I've been in the field. So that tells you we haven't gotten terribly far, but we keep talking about this. We, and we, I had, we had a call, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but we had a column in Fitness Journal called Bridging the Gap for years that Cedric Bryant wrote, actually. And it's great. We have all the right people saying we need to bridge the gap. I 100% agree with this. But here's the difference that I share with you from my own journey, because I can always just speak from my own experience. What I recognize is I believe in this so firmly, but if I want to see that gap bridged, guess what I have to do? I have to go learn the other side of the fence. I know my field intimately. To be frank, my trajectory I shared with you, up until a certain point, I had no clinical experience. I could hypothesize what happens in a clinical setting. I think I'll share because I work with amazing physicians and other members of the care team. I do think sometimes we're quick to criticize others without understanding the system by which exists today. So that was part of the impetus for my doctoral work was part of that doctoral program was actually a clinical experience. So I had to spend time in a clinical context that led to me continuing that work long after the program was over. But it enabled me to understand the system because you can only bridge a gap if you actually understand both sides that need to be bridged together. So I share that to say my answer to your question is I do think we will have to evolve beyond solely certification. 
Particularly right now, we do have a bit of a fragmented approach to certification. The challenge is while we understand certification intimately, that was part of my journey. I know a lot of intricate things about certification and the outside world, others outside of our professional space, they are confused because we don't have one unified standard like a board certification, for example. And I share this only one of my colleagues gave a great analogy. He said, you know, in the practice of medicine, he's a physician. You can complete your residency in a number of different you know, places, but you all take one same exam after mm. you complete your residency. We don't have that model in right. the exercise professions. So I do think we will have to consider ways to unify because I think when we unify, we can actually move some of these key agenda items forward. So to your point, you know, licensure, there's pros and cons to that. Sure. You know, requirements of degrees at various levels, there's pros and cons to that. But I do think if we want to see the exercise professional as a key member, because we know that pillar of lifestyle medicine, it's vital. Mm-hmm. No one's debating that. But Sandy, the truth is the the individuals I work with, their hesitation isn't around exercise being important. Anyone who reads any type of scientific literature is really clear on that. Their challenge is how do I identify the right exercise professional that I feel comfortable actually referring my patients to or, you know, having embedded into the care team. And I do think we have some work to do there if we're being honest. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Um, So another of the many hats that you're wearing these days is serving on the research team of the Krupp Center for Integrative Research at UC San Diego. One of our favorite mutual areas of discussion throughout the years has been the focus on use of whole food, plant-based diet, um, et cetera. We're both super passionate about food. Um, And in fact, I just saw your post on LinkedIn, I think it was two nights ago, about the plant-forward cooking class that your team hosted virtually this week. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you dig into that a little and tell us more about what you're doing in, in this area current day and uh, why you're so excited about it. Well, I've always loved that we've shared this among our, our many shared passions. But I mean, the possibilities when we really enlighten individuals and empower them to explore the healing potential of food. I mean, it's so powerful. The literature is abundantly clear. And I think where we often get into this topic of debate around which eating pattern reigns supreme, what I like to always come back to is what's the shared foundation across all of them? (laughs) If you actually, instead of, you know, taking into certain camps and having that segmented approach, Mm -hmm. we look to say the common denominator across them all is it is focusing on eating whole or minimally processed plant foods, right? Mm -hmm. As Mm -hmm. the predominant part of our diet. So beautiful vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes. You know all of this intimately, as I know many of the listeners are probably passionate about as well. But excitingly, what actually brought me to UC San Diego Health was partly to start on the research side and then to evolve that into clinical practice. But our research, just to share what we've been doing, we are the true interdisciplinary team Our research team includes individuals like registered dietitians, physicians, board certified health and wellness coaches. That's the Mm -hmm. wonderful team that I have the privilege of overseeing. And so we've looked at really what is the power of a whole food plant-based diet in the treatment of various chronic diseases, disorders, and conditions. You know, we've been studying this around areas like endometriosis, glaucoma. We have a study that's soon starting around early psychosis. I mean, it's very fascinating to be able to truly look at the power 
of plant food. And what I appreciate really about our approach to our research is, as I mentioned, it, it is a team-based approach. It includes one-on-one -on -one dietary counseling that patients receive around really, you know, what are the nuts and bolts, if you will, of a whole food plant predominant approach to eating. And then also the ability to work one-on-one -on -one with a health and wellness coach along that journey, because we know the behavioral aspect is vital. It's not only what to eat, but we really get to support individuals in both the how and the why mm -hmm. <laughs> behind their mm -hmm. dietary choices. We do that one-on-one -on -one and in group settings because there's power in connection. Mm -hmm. And you'll love this piece, Sandy, because I know this about some of your, your wonderful skills and talents and things you're passionate about. We also include hands-on cooking classes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that's how you translate. It can't just be information. I always like to say knowledge we always hear is power, but it's knowledge translated into action that is the secret sauce, so to speak, pun intended in this context. But that's yeah. the nature of our research. And soon we will be publishing some of the findings from our studies. Uh, but just to share a little sneak peek, it's pretty exciting and uh, transformative for the individuals whose lives have been positively impacted through this journey. Well, if you ever need a volunteer instructor, I'll, I'll come and teach a, a cooking class. I would love to do that. It'd be fun. Well, and I will share with you, I did. I neglected to mention, though, thank you for giving me a good segue to say one of the members of our team that's so vital is we have culinary medicine instructors because oh, wow. that's the, that is the true team-based approach. And so yep. it's nice that we can live that in practice and then patients can benefit from that experience. That's a dream. I, I love hearing that. Um, again, keep up the great work on that. That's super exciting. Um, so this is sort of a, I guess, a philosophical question of sorts. Um, there, while there's all of this evidence supporting behavior mod, the power of plant-based diets, recovery strategies, stress reduction, community, um, it's hard to, to deny that the world is moving in the wrong direction still. Pe more people are sick, overweight, struggling with these lifestyle diseases than ever before. Do you think that we're ever going to get a handle on these challenges? Um, and if so, how do you see it happening? I do think so. I will share with you, if you don't know this about me already, I'm the perpetual optimist, <laughs> which research says is good for my health. Optimism is, is good for your health and well-being. I'm the perpetual optimist, and I do believe that we can make positive strides. I use Dr. Dunn's thought process on wellness to move in that direction, right? Because it's not an end state, but we can definitely be moving and shifting the trajectory in a positive direction. I'm also the ultimate realist too. This is probably what makes my, my work uh, what it's become is because I can think with a good hopeful lens and then say, but the reality is here's where we are now. And so what are those changes that need to be made to get the wheels in motion, right? To start building momentum in that direction where we're seeing things move positively as opposed to what you mentioned, we see, you know, disease rates continue to rise year after year. We see, you know, numbers that say less and less people are engaging in the very health behaviors that we know are so vital to health and well-being. And I will share, I think, the way that we do this, this is kind of a full circle moment in our conversation. The way we do this is we have to see things beyond just component parts. And I will share, I think, you know, if I reflect and I'm honest early in my journey, you know, it was easy to just think there was one piece that would be the, you know, the key that unlocks this whole equation. That is not true. It's complex. It has to have, again, that whole person lens, whole systems lens. We have to integrate into topics and areas that I think often don't come up when I mentioned that ecological perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, how do things like the community, the zip code in which you live, we know with clarity 
impacts your health and well-being. Again, it's more than just willpower and your motivation. Like we have to look at real big topics, things like racism. These are things that do impact an individual's health and well-being and the well-being of communities and populations and the global community as a whole. And we have to be willing to engage in expanding our thought process. And Mm -hmm. so I would share, I think the challenge, why we haven't seen us shift and move in the positive direction yet is because we're trying to solve complex problems with simplified solutions. And mm-hmm. it's incorrect. It's it's not it's not the way we're going to shift and move the needle mm-hmm. the way it needs to move. So I think there is a movement. I'm going to say this, and I, I think you will support this. I think there is a movement in our field of individuals who get this. They might say, I don't know all the intricacies, but I know something has to change. I know my thinking, my learning, my skill set has to evolve in order to be a part of this change. And it takes collaboration to do it. Like I said, no one professional is owning this monumental task of moving public health in a positive direction. We need all of the right players together. But I do believe we need shared foundational knowledge, kind of Mm -hmm. takes me back to why the program came to fruition. We are missing these vital aspects that really would enable us to then work more collaboratively together and really best serve and support the people in whatever context, you know, our professional work enables us to do. Right. We all need to speak the same language first and have that foundation. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, thank you. I'll be honest, just to share real quick, if I can see any, because I think still, you know, it challenges me when we talk about big topics in our field, like even something like obesity. And sometimes I hear it simplified down to its calories in and calories out as the only facets of that equation. And to know that that conversation is still happening today, it challenges us, as you said, to mm-hmm. to, you know, to think a, a bit more expansively about what really does impact health and well-being. Well, that's why we try to have conversations like this to, you know, just to get people thinking more logically about it and, and not to simplify complex problems like this. Um, so, Jess, you always seem to have something big simmering on the back burner to feed the next wave of your career. You're just you're such a rolling stone. Um, what's next on the list for you? I'm curious. Well, I love the simmering reference. Was that because of our shared love of culinary medicine? <laughs> Probably. Like, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't help myself. <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking that question, because this is something I do. I love the process of, you know, just being in, you know, new evolutions of really, I love if I were to synthesize down everything that I've had the opportunity and the privilege to do in my professional journey, the one thing I've loved most, and I still, I will love most until the end of time is the ability to mentor other professionals who share the same passion. My students always joke, they're like, Dr. Matthews, no matter what time of day it is, morning, noon, or night, like I'm this fired up because this, I mean, this is my calling. This is my life's work. And I believe one of the ways to your point earlier, you know, kind of thinking ways you can scale, ways you can amplify impact. I recognize really the piece, and I've been doing this for some time, but not as many people know about this work. I have been formally mentoring professionals who really do want to, you know, identify really their unique career path, mm-hmm. ways they can be, you know, you're, they're uniquely called to serve others and, you know, forge a journey forward that maybe doesn't fit the mold because people tend to come to me because they see I don't fit the mold. And I've loved living in this space to say it doesn't have to look just one way. It's the beauty of life in totality. 
So the next thing on the horizon for me is I'm very excited to launch the Steer Your Career Academy. This is the opportunity as I've really honed my learnings and skill sets and really what I've poured into in delivering, you know, high quality, impactful educational programs, mentoring individuals one-on-one, harnessing the power of community. These are all the winning ingredients. Mm -hmm. See what I did there, Sandy? Ingredients simmering. We're on the scene. (laughs) The winning ingredients though, that this is what enables people to get really clear on their careers because how I've arrived in all of the places in my journey wasn't by happenstance. It wasn't just a stroke of luck. There's real intentional efforts that enable people to bring their knowledge, their skill sets, and really their unique approach to serving others. And that's what I want to share with the world. So that's what is on the horizon for 2022. And I'm very excited. It's the honestly the email I get on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. from at least one or more person. And I've been getting these requests for years. And I'm just excited to be able to amplify that work that I've been doing for some time in a more scalable way. So from health coach to career coach. Absolutely. I think that is, I mean, the skill sets, they, they dovetail so nicely. But this is the way that I think when you said, you know, how do we shift the needle in that positive direction? How do we really impact public health? It's not going to be just me. It's not going to be a couple people. We need a movement. And I think that the time is ripe to gather the right people together, because when we get the right people together, we learn and grow from one another. And I know I learned so much from the students I have, the professionals that I have the privilege to mentor. So I do believe there there is some uh, winning ingredients in this combination. And why not build them, build this army yourself and give them that consistent platform and the same language? Uh, You know, that's a thing of beauty. Well, that's super exciting. Keep us posted on how that unfolds. Um, I'll I'll be uh, I'll be watching for sure. Um, Incredibly, we're at the end of our time here. So um, before I and I could talk to you all day, Jess, your energy is just infectious. And it's just, um, yeah, I love talking to you. But before we sign off, if you could please tell people how they can connect with you, either through social, your website, or another means. And then I would love it if you could leave us with a parting thought to, um, to inspire fit pros who are listening. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. And the same thing, I get lost in this. So there's a, there's a, a reason I could talk about this for hours too. It's just having these meaningful conversations. They mean the world to me, but I would love to leave of course with an opportunity to continue the connection because this is such a, a wonderful privilege for me to have the ability to speak with professionals. Some I know already, Some I've not had the pleasure to meet. So if you would like to stay connected, I am on social media. I joke with my students. I'm out there in the world. I'm hip, I'm savvy, or I like to to think I am. So entertain me for a little bit. Uh, But I'm at Dr. Jess Matthews, and that's Matthews with two Ts. Um, But please do connect with me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I love connection. I mean, it's good for my health, as I alluded to the literature. And this is just how great things happen when great people come together. Of course, my website also, drjessmatthews.com. Connect with me there as well. That's where, of course, I'll share all great things about what is forthcoming in the new year and ways to perhaps work together if that's something individuals are interested in doing. But let me leave since you offered the opportunity with some parting thoughts. I usually tend to have quite a few, but I'll leave with a quote because anyone who spends time with me knows I love quotes and I always give credit where credit is due. But in such a changing time in life, right? We've been navigating a lot, especially Mm -hmm. in our field for the last year and a half now. And for many of us long before that in the other contexts of life, 
Um, but I'll leave with a quote from John Kabat-Zinn, the creator of mindfulness-based stress reduction. You can't control the waves, but you can learn how to surf. <laughs> and I would share from my personal journey, which has had you know, many unexpected pieces unfold. Many people are aware of other parts of my journey that I didn't have a chance to speak into during our time together, but both personally and professionally, life, as Dr. Don said, it's a constantly changing environment, right? No one could have anticipated the pandemic as it would unfold and the impact it would have, you know, on our field and other facets of people's lives. So while we can't control the waves of life, right? Life is going to ebb, flow, and the tides will shift and change, but we can always learn how to surf. Mm -hmm. It's a reminder of our resilience, our ability as humans to adapt, to overcome, and to thrive. And I believe this wholeheartedly. I've spent many years working as a health and wellness coach. I've been also teaching and mentoring other health and wellness coaches for quite some time, but this is possible for all people. Even in the most challenging of circumstances and situations, we can learn how to serve. And sometimes from the really challenging times come some of the most exciting things. And you can always put on a wetsuit too. <laughs> you can always put on a wetsuit, stay nice and warm in that cold, you know, Southern California water as I moved to the West Coast. I was like, doesn't it get warm here ever? Never. Uh, but the water's nice and chilly. But yes, we can learn though. And I just think this exercise, if you will, over the last year and a half of a pandemic, it's not to downplay the significant challenges we've been faced with, but it's to say we can always kind of steer the trajectory, right? Things are unfolding. And what can we be doing to continue to move in the positive directions? That's the surfing. I'm not a surfer, actually. I, I need to brush up on my surfing skills, but I've been surfing pretty well through life now for some time. And I'll keep adjusting, <laughs> adjusting uh, as the tides keep taking me in different directions. But it's possible for all of us. Well, that's a beautiful analogy and what a, a great way to tie everything together. Just thank you. Thank you so much for stopping in and sharing your, your wonderful energy and your passion and your insights with us today. I really enjoyed talking to you. My immense pleasure as always, Sandy. Thanks for the invitation and thanks for the opportunity to share what's on my heart, what's on my mind. And I do hope to have the opportunity to continue to connect with great people because that's what you tend to do. You bring great people together doing this through the show and through other mediums. And I'm very grateful. Oh, well, I try to. And how lucky am I to get to talk to so many <laughs> amazing people? I mean, that's just, um, wow. It, I'm very uplifted by these conversations. So um, again, thank you. And uh, take care. We'll be watching what you're up to because it's always great. Thanks, Andy. Take care. Well, that winds up my conversation with Dr. Jessica Matthews. Check the show notes for details about getting in touch with her and for any other resources mentioned on today's show. Did you know that IDEA also hosts the Listen and Learn CEC podcast? Listen and Learn is the fitness industry's first audible CEC program. Each episode contains information from IDEA's award-winning fitness journal that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. Tune in while you're out for a run, getting your workout in, or even just while you're chilling out. Ideas editors read fitness journal articles directly to you so you can get some movement in while you learn. Subscribe to both the Idea Fit Pro Show and Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast in the Apple Podcast Store or via your favorite podcast app. Check the show notes for these details and other resources mentioned in today's episode. 
This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.